Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All I ever wanted was a little love. I want true romance. It's true. Hello and welcome to True Romance and holy fucking shit, we need to talk. It's an emergency. I've never been more excited to have a microphone in hand. And we're going to get to that which is our discussion of The White Lotus season two. But first of all, some news has come to light. It's the end of the year. People are posting their Spotify brags. They're like, oh, my festival would have Bruce Springsteen because I'm interesting. Like, whatever. Fuck off. I couldn't Um, be less interested in what people are listening to personally. I know. So it's that time of year where everything comes down to like the, the number one this, the Spotify rap, the whatever. And we have the number one most searched word of the year 2022, and that is gaslighting. What am I accusing my boyfriend of? <laughs> Let me look it up after the if fact. You, if you haven't Googled gaslighting, what have you been up to? I want to know. Because what fuel have you been? What fuel have you had for these fights? I know. And it's like, I was thinking about it today. I was thinking about it. You know, we we do put sometimes five to seven minutes of thought into these episodes we before think, we do them. I think almost every day. We process the amount of times I've texted Carolina like, okay, I know I didn't add anything to the Google Doc, but I actually have a lot of thoughts and I've been thinking a lot of things. And and the things are there and they're in my head and they're bouncing around the back oh, of my constantly. skull. Okay, so I was thinking... The thing about gaslighting and it connects to the white Lotus, as we'll discuss later, is like for me and my I shouldn't say the thing about gaslighting. The thing about gaslighting for me is it's such an act of cowardice. Mm. It's so like it's basically someone being so afraid of being uncomfortable that they would rather let you sit and question your own sanity than go through the mild discomfort of being like, yeah, you're right. Something is going on. Um, And for me, having repeated experiences where like the thing that I thought was going on did turn out to be going on, the rage that comes afterwards is like unparalleled because it's like it never feels the way you think it's going to like, okay, now, okay, I was right. I was right. I was right. I was right. But it's like sad almost. And then it never feels like the person can really do enough to like to make up for the make up for the fact that that happened. And it's happening on White Lotus right now. If I'm going to make a blanket statement with no research or polling done, I would say that a majority of experiences I've had are in outside relationships that a boyfriend has with women or men. Relationships in general. And I think that they're not sexual. Or men, yes. It's me saying, and I've watched your relationship from the outside and you've watched mine, so I think we can really 
yes. affirm this for each other. Which oh, as- oh, the names are rolling in my mind like credits in a movie for you. And I'm sure they are. It's you the beginning for me. of Star Wars for me. <laughs> and it's amazing when you are, say, at a party and you can see something happen with your own bare eyes. I know I've yep. on, but I can still see it bright as day. Bright as fucking day. They work. <laughs> and when you reprise the event for your partner, significant other, and they act as though you are the one creating a puppet show in your head, that is, that does eat at you because this is the thing. Relationships are built on trust. And it's not just the trust. Like, please don't stick your ding dong in anyone else's mouth. Yes. It's the trust of we are on the same team. You have to give my story some credibility if you're going to trust me. I'm going to trust your opinion of what's going on. I'm going to trust your side of stories. That's why Mm -hmm. when anyone has conflict, I am going, my, my starter position is on your side Mm. and your starting position needs to be on mine. So the amount of shenanigans I have put up with were automatically, I'm like, why is your starting position on this random side? It's so triggering for me. No, can I just say, I just did EMDR therapy right before this for the first time. Oh, really? Well, yeah, it was like my first session via Zoom. It was an intro session. And did she they had me do, do the finger, bing, bang, bing, bong? No, she had me do did one she thing. she that-, that way? Yeah, she was like, so we're going to do a lot of bing, bong, a lot of boop, bop. And I was like, all right, sounds fucking good. Um, no, she, but she had me do one exercise to like try to get into my body. And I've always had this problem in therapy where I'm like, I, I can't get in there. Like I I'm in my head. I don't feel anything. She's like, what are you feeling in your body around this issue? I was like, I feel nothing. And I'm thinking about the fact that I have to move this week and I'm stressed, but I am in my body right now. While you were talking, I felt in my body, a burning sensation of like, agreement but also that anger. is your yeast infection <laughs> you feel a no, burning, no. itching sensation no no carolina it's harmony it's union you know yeah dare i say it's fucking sisterhood yeah yeah <laughs> it's sandra bullock and yeah yeah sisterhood um by the way love that movie and it's a classic and people just talk about it more okay I thought about the fact that I dated someone when I was much younger who literally a woman wrote a love letter to him and handed it to me to give to him. And <laughs> I laughed at that. Like, I thought it was funny. I forgot that. And that I gave it so to him funny. and I was like, oh, my God, what? Oh, the woman was me. And and the woman was Carolina. And I laughed in her that's face. How we <laughs> I said, oh, my God. And that's how we met. No, but another girl like confronted me about him and whatever. So I I've had these situations where I don't feel threatened, but then I've had situations where it's like it's not even that I feel threatened. It's that I feel disrespected by the fact that, like you said, that this person is not immediately on my side with this and instead is going to try to tell me, like, you don't understand. You just don't know this person. I know you think that, but you're wrong. And it's like the thing is that for many years of my life, I would like switch like I'm I would be malleable and be like, okay, you're right. You're right. And then I end up being even more angry when what I thought was going to happen ends up happening, a.k.a. women expressing that they're in love with the person I was dating at one point, um, finding out that the person I warned my ex about turned out to actually be a con artist. Like I said, they were the whole time, like all that stuff. When it came to light, I was like, wait, I'm so angry that I let you convince me to be nice to this person. Like, so now at this point in my life, I feel like I know my gut. I know when something's off. I know that I I don't have these feelings about every single person that comes along. I have these feelings about people that don't feel safe and whose behavior feels um, unnatural and not appropriate to me. And I trust that feeling now, but it's hard. I completely identify with what you're saying. And I think I another feeling that I've had, and I think it comes from being a depressive and comes from having a hard relationship with myself, for a lot of my life was immediately internalizing it. I mean, I had a boyfriend in college who was not just in love with his ex, I think, but liked the fact that I was jealous and preyed on that and used that. And I think the twisted part of him would trigger me with things, for instance, play music off a playlist that he had made for her on his iPod that I knew about. And then when I expressed insecurity, be like, oh my God, I can't deal with this. You're so jealous. And in my head, as much as I was like, wait, this is really bad. This is, I think you too. I thought I'm so jealous. 
And it was only later in life that I was like, I'm actually not that jealous of a person. I'm really not in relationships to the extent where a boyfriend I've had has flirted with people in front of me. And I have not really cared that much. I've been like, again, it's all about the disrespect, but I haven't been like, oh my God, is she prettier than me? Like, there's none of that. And I mean, I have been a little bit like, is she prettier than me? (laughs) Turns out I am a little bit like that, but that's okay. It's, It's mainly for me been... It's all about my reality being reaffirmed. Yeah. And you saying to me, you're right, that did happen. And if I'm not getting that at this point in my life, I trust my own perception of reality more than I trust what a random guy is saying to me. So it's interesting, like the shenanigans I've been with boyfriends, none have bothered me as much as my college boyfriend doing that. None of them, because. It's not even about him. It's about the fact that I was in such an emotionally vulnerable place that I took so much of that on. And in retrospect, I'd be like, you have a crush on this girl and you're trying to torture me with it because you like the attention I'm giving you. Fuck off. I'm not dealing with that. You need to like clear out your own baggage. And I regret that. And I think it's just, you know, like Taylor Swift running her 10 minute version of all too well for the younger self. I think we look back on our younger versions of ourselves and we're protective. Like, I'm sorry that I had to go through that. I really am. And I'm I'm yeah. sorry that I stayed so long. And that's what I'm angry about. I'm sorry that I wasted so much energy for like two years on someone who was okay with me feeling bad. In fact, liked to play with that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's like, there's a fine line between being jealous and being a, just like an intuitive person. And also, I think that the other frustrating... And we're told by relationships, sorry to interrupt, that that's the same thing. So we can be intuitive, but we're just being told that we're crazy. Yes. And that we just like if we knew more, that's the other thing I resent, too. It's like, well, if you knew the person or if you knew more, then you would know that you're wrong. And it's like I'm telling you how I feel based on the information that's been put in front of me thus far. That should be enough. Actually, that should be enough. It shouldn't be like I just need to know more and understand more. And it's like, no, I don't. Also, I think the other frustrating thing about like gaslighting in this way but also in any way it's like a lot of times it's not or maybe most of the time it's like not intentional it's like I think a lot of times like and I'm sure I've been gaslighting to people it's like you think you like believe your own bullshit kind of and you're like no I really do think if this person knew better they would see that I'm right or whatever but it's like that thing of like it's still harm anyway even even if it's not intentional it's still harmful and it's yeah I also want to add a very small asterisk because I hate admitting when I'm wrong at all, which is that I have been wrong about my instincts before. It's not uncommon. So if you're listening, thinking like, oh, my God, am I wrong about this relationship, et cetera? There is a chance, like, for instance, when I was at a Christmas tree farm with a boyfriend and all of his family friends and like a girl like seemingly had looked like she had a crush on my boyfriend. And since it was a new relationship and when I didn't I did feel insecure and I looked at my boyfriend later and I was like, your little friend over there has a crush on you. And he was like, what is fully happening right now? Please don't talk to me that way. And it took me about two hours before I was like, hey, um, who was that girl back there? Was that me? Because she was crazy. That wasn't me. I know. That wasn't me. I gaslit him. I was like that. I don't know why you're so upset. Catherine Dennis style. Um, I know. Also, remember right now. I always think about Danielle from season two of Love is Blind, where she was like, "Okay, the way that I've been acting is not me and I'm not going to be that way anymore. Like, I feel that way after every fight in a relationship where I'm like, "Okay, you think that that was me? It's not. I'm a completely different person as of right now. And I feel so much better. Don't you? But wait, what was I going to say about a time that I was wrong? I just can't think of any. You know what? I, I'm reaching and I'm not I'm not making contact There's with a chance any, it hasn't happened with any single example of where I may have been wrong. I don't really think so. And, and <laughs> no, no. I mean, have I been like I will say that. And why I want to add that asterisk is because like 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 I'll say nine times out of ten my intuition is on. I really do believe that it's why I have said once in a while that I'm psychic and people have shut that down. But once in a while, you do 
have to look and say, do I have evidence? Where's this feeling coming from? Is this just a look or is this something that I believe is insidious and is happening in real time? Okay. What I was going to say is that one time I was like at dinner with a friend and I was like, I'm just like a naturally very like intuitive person. I have like a really good instinct about people. And my friend said, you wouldn't be able to tell that based on your past relationships. And I was Mm. like, well, that's fair. So I think, you know, we all listen, we all have blind spots, you know, and speaking of intuition, speaking of blind spots, speaking of gas and speaking of lighting, should we take a little boat down to a sea, Sally? I think we should take a very quick commercial break. And when we get back, we are going to be talking about the television event of my life. I want you. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with True Romance. I, you know, my my mom saw the moon landing when she was like a three-year-old. Um, she thinks she did. <laughs> well, she thinks oh, she you did. Mean she anyway. saw the Stanley Kubrick production of the moon landing? <laughs> Got it. The television event of my life is um, White Lotus season two, episode five. Um, that's Amore, it's called. Listen, Mike White what do I feel towards him? I feel attraction. I feel envy. I feel jealousy. I feel fear. I feel <laughs> eroticism. There's so much I have towards this creator, writer, director. This is a, a television event that everyone's tuning in for every week. And the thing that I like about it is it's not about dragons or fucking superheroes or whatever you fucking kids get your rocks off to. It's about relationships yes. and rich people. I think we should start off with the stars of this season. Listen, Jennifer Coolidge is going to be the star of whatever she's in. But I believe one of the more relatable storylines this show has had in general is Aubrey Plaza as Harper, Will Sharp, a.k.a. my new obsession as Ethan, Theo James, 
Couldn't agree less. Okay. Theo James, who all of a sudden I need to have sex with as soon as possible as Cameron. Okay, agree. Yeah. And Megan Fahey as Daphne. Maybe the best performance on the show, I think, is subtly stealing the whole show. Before we get into this, I want you to know that we are going to be spoiling like 2020 milk. Okay. So you've got to really get out of the room if you don't want to hear our theories about what's going to happen that could be right or anything. If you're, if you're not caught up, I want you to quit your job. I want you to go home and I want you to catch up with White Lotus. Yeah. The dynamic that I've never seen on TV or film before is two couples in competition with each each other. other. Yes. And the Aubrey Plaza Harper character in general, I think I know I've been her. I think most women have in relationships. And it's when you're not completely happy, not necessarily because of the other partner even. It's not that the other partner's letting you down. It seems like she really likes her husband, Ethan. But it seems that they're not having sex. It feels like she wants to have more sex. And there's this other couple, Cameron and Daphne, who are like in their honeymoon stage and say that they never fight. And they're so beautiful. And they're all over each other. And she is trying to say that's bullshit. Like her insecurity in her relationship. She's also looking at this fake phony relationship and being like, these people are clowns. They're dumb. And I know I've been in relationships where I know that either I'm not happy or I'm not happy with the person or our relationship is suffering. And I've looked at some new hot couple and been like, fuck these people. They're not going to last. Yeah. If they're happy, it's because they're stupid. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And these people, you know, Daphne and Cameron do happen to be stupid. But also, I think the thing is that this is not Harper's element at all. Like she doesn't really want to be like drinking during the day on a beach, whatever. And clearly it is Daphne and Cameron's element. And so Ethan kind of wants Harper to like have fun and be more lighthearted and whatever. So basically, she already feels like her husband wants her to be someone that she doesn't really feel is authentic to her, which to me is like nothing more sickening than having to like pretend you're enjoying something that you're not. And and granted, I know that that's 75% of life is pretending to be okay with things that bother you. Um, I just personally don't thrive in that. And so that's kind of the dynamic. And it's like night one that they're not having sex, but they can hear Cameron and Daphne having sex in the other room. And she basically wants to find the loophole like it's like okay well they must he must be cheating on her something must be going on then if they're that happy so we obviously find out that he is cheating on her that he always cheats on her this is where it gets really interesting we find out that Daphne knows this and what I find so interesting about the Daphne and Cameron relationship is that they're essentially role-playing with each other there are real feelings there but after he has a sort of night where he like hooks up with two hookers and does molly She comes back to him and when they're in bed, he goes, never leave me. And she goes, I won't. And it's, there's something inherently false to this. She had, in her own words, played on his abandonment issues to stay a night at a plaza because she was mad at him for not coming. He had cheated on her the night before in their bed. And yet when they're back together, he's playing like he was abandoned and she's playing like she didn't mean to abandon him. And it was this, to me, this beautiful thing of like, oh, this couple... They are happy in the false roles they're playing. And that is a place where they feel safe. This is okay. So Devin, I I have been on the internet like a Game of Thrones fan looking at theories, looking at things that I missed. All right. Well, I also just want to say like, okay, so this like plays at the idea that like in order to be happy, you have to accept that like monogamy is like a dated construct. And this is one of those things that makes me feel um old (laughs) because i'm like that can't be true like i don't i don't want to live in a world where it's like we all just have to cheat on each other and accept it what do i do about that (laughs) help i haven't necessarily internalized that message as much i do think this this season is all about infidelity and i thought what you said before we start recording about how it's about, do you look the other way or do you look straight on? There's no better example than Daphne and that she knows her husband is cheating, but she is telling Harper who thinks something, you know, who knows that something happened the night with the hookers. She's telling her like, if something did happen, it was probably not that bad. And then 
Daphne goes on about a trainer she has. And she goes, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. And he's so funny. And here, do you want to see a picture? She hands Harper her phone. Harper looks and it's pictures of Daphne's kids. Blue eyes, blonde hair kids. Oh, shit. I didn't even notice this. And Harper goes, this is just a picture of your kids. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. And takes her phone back and then says, I guess what I'm saying is maybe you should get a trainer. (gasps) Wait, so the trainer. So her kids are the trainer's kids. At least one of them. Okay. I thought she was like accidentally showing her a picture. Me too. A picture of the kids to be like, so don't fuck up my marriage by bringing up the fact that my husband sleeps with hookers. But now I see what you're saying. The kid was so glaringly blonde haired and blue eyed. It was like shocking. It was shocking how Aryan the kid was. And now now I understand. We also had this scene in the first episode, maybe the second episode, where Cameron is talking about how Harper almost died. I'm sorry. Cameron is talking about how Daphne almost died in childbirth and how emotional it made him. And she was emotional bringing it up. And it, it really was you saw for a second their relationship was based on emotions. It wasn't you know, she's not a trophy wife. She's someone that he does have feelings for. Okay, but let me just say one thing about this Daphne thing. So given that we just talked so much about like gaslighting and meeting someone with like validating someone's experience or whatever, something I've noticed about Daphne is that she tries, no matter what like Harper says in the first episode, she tries to make Harper feel understood. And I truly think that in some ways cynicism and like obsession with like the news and stuff like that can be a form of escape from like your own reality and like to not be present and in a way Daphne represents how like if you don't I mean she's an extreme version but it's like if you don't choose to like spend so much energy obsessing over that you have more room to like be present and show up as like a friend and a person and have compassion and and like bring light to a situation and you're happier I mean, I think it's, I think that's a representation of wealth. Like, she doesn't have to look at any of this stuff. And but most of us don't. No, no, I, I agree. But I think that Harper's character did not grow up wealthy. So she has this exacting eye on the world of the wealthy that they do not have. But she doesn't have to be like, the world's ending. No point. I have to take Ambien because the world's ending. Like, that's not like coming from a place of like, because I don't have privilege like that is that actually sounds like it's coming from a place like of privilege almost. Yeah, I guess I can't I can't think of it as necessarily a character strength that Daphne is oblivious or or turns a blind eye. But I know what you mean, where at the same time, Harper is rich. She I mean, she talks about starting a nonprofit, but yeah, I I do want to talk about the fact that Harper knows, you know, she finds this condom wrapper. Uh, Ethan eventually tells her that um, they had done Molly with hookers, which is one of my favorite lines of that last episode where he was like, I know this probably sounds bad. And she's like, yeah, it sounds fucking bad. I was gone for one night. You did Molly with hookers. Yeah. <laughs> but then they go on a wine tour. And what I love about Mike White's writing is that you're not like, will she say anything? You know, Harper is getting drunk and immediately like, hey, have you guys ever fucked the same girl? Yeah. And you're like, yes, 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 yes. Like at the same time as you are thinking, no, 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 no. You're like, yes, yes, yes. This has to happen. And yet this is so uncomfortable to watch. Okay. But this is what I don't get about like the attraction to the Ethan character. He's so nothing personality wise. Like he's not funny. He's not. He's not affectionate. He's so fucking milk toast and and then also like gaslights her and like won't have sex with her and like sorry I'm sorry and so I'm just like in some ways I'm like okay Cameron is obviously kind of a sociopath but he also is like affectionate and charming and I'm like right. okay so there's some stuff what is Ethan giving he I okay this is my thing with Ethan is that I love withdrawn men it really is my kryptonite as a guy who ignores me and is like cold to me um I totally am attracted to like this type of guy. And it is problematic because I have been in relationships where you do do this. You were trying to have sex and the guy is oblivious or just like, I have to take a shower regardless. Yes, that's a really good point. Cameron is in those ways a better husband. 
Yeah. They continuously get drunk all day. Literally, Aubrey Plaza was really delivering. Like, I could feel, I don't drink, and I could feel that feeling of being, like, drunk midday. She looked like such a hot mess. Well, I also want to say that, like, okay, so the episode where they do the drugs with the hookers is called Bull Elephants, and then the the next episode after that, everyone's, like, so hungover, and that feeling of, like, the depression and the hangover, and, like, Lucia is saying, like, She's like, maybe I should like second guess my whole life. Like, I'm a bad influence. I'm a bad person. Like, it's like was so palpable. And that's why this show is so good. But also, I I also want to say I normally cannot fucking stand Aubrey Plaza. Like, I've been so annoyed by her whole shtick of being like, I'm yeah. monotone as if she's like the first person to ever be monotone or like have dark hair and be like attractive, but also kind of like not bubbly. That has driven me insane for so long. This is her first job I've seen her really act. Yeah, and I've been loving her. Like, I didn't even want to. I opened my mind. I still am annoyed by it. How about how good she is? She cracked my mind right open in the opening scene where she, like, doesn't want to drink the Prosecco and doesn't want to order the whitefish. So, yeah. So, they go to dinner, and Cameron, now knowing that Harper knew what happened the night before, is like, Harper, you've been asking us all these questions. What about you? Ever had a threesome? Are you a bad girl? Daphne is enjoying it. And you can tell too, like she's gotten all this judgment from Harper. She's had to sit there while Harper's basically been bringing her husband's dirty laundry on the table. And she's enjoying Harper in the hot seat. Now, Harper, who has been sexually ignored by her husband, is also enjoying this. And she's like, yeah. I had a threesome with my friend and Ethan looks so visibly uncomfortable and is just staring at her. And she's like, what? Ethan loves his porn and I can't compete with it. This is also when my heart stopped and my vagina came to life was when Theo James under the table Ugh. grabs Harper's leg and yeah. smacks it. So when I was like 16, I'm saying I was masturbating like seven times a week. You know, you could just say daily. You don't have to say seven times a week. <laughs> you could say daily. It's actually a daily ritual at that point. So I, I don't have time to do that. I'm out of energy until I watch That's Amore season two, episode five of White Lotus. I literally this week have been like, oh, God, I have to masturbate again. Like, I can't stop. Think- you can't just, stop thinking about it. I can't stop thinking about it. I want to live in that world. I want this to be reality. I want to have sex with Theo James, who I can't even emphasize enough has never been an attractive person to me he just looks so vanilla will sharp who plays ethan i want to have sex with him too like i just what i like about mike white is he's fetishizing men's bodies in a way that we do not see Mm. on television yeah i'm getting to see ass i'm getting to see men fucking each other i'm getting to see pubes on ethan i'm getting to see theo james and ethan having very unexpected homoerotic energy yeah i completely agree that scene was so hot because I also felt like I was like right there with yes it was a secret with her and I was like you know what yeah fuck you Ethan like now you're gonna be upset just because another guy is interested like grow up and also this is what my problem is with him too that's that why I think that he's unattractive okay when the girl when when Mia kissed him he did kiss back and it's like so you just have no boundaries then like either have a moral compass and be like no thanks right away or just have sex with her then. It's like you already like passionately made out with her, then have the balls to go further or have the balls to have not done it at all. Like, I'm just like, he's so wishwashy, like afraid to speak up. I feel like he's the type of person who like, if his mom confronted you at Thanksgiving, he would just say nothing. And oh, you would be like, why did you very say something? <laughs> like, I, and it's like, so it's like so unattractive. Like, no, that is a good point. I was okay with that kiss. Um, but no, I was also I have been watching this like pornography. So I was just unsatisfied on Mia's behalf. If that kiss happened in a relationship that I was in, I would actually stand up. I, if I was Harper when she found that stuff out, I would stand up from the bed and laugh maniacally because I would feel so justified. I would feel <laughs> so justified in my anger. I would feel like an overwhelming sense of like joy of like, I'm finally right in this feeling. And like, I think I was just born with like a feeling of like I've been like wronged in some way and I have to make it right. Um, 
for example, my mom said the first time I went to the dentist, it, it hurt my teeth. And I talked about how the dentist was a bad man for days afterwards and was like, okay, you agree he's a bad man, right? So I feel like I would be like, okay, I fucking knew it, you piece of shit. But she just kind of is like, okay, well, okay. And like, she's like kind of mad, but then it all comes out at the dinner. So what I'm saying is I was viscerally there with her and I was like, okay, good. I hope you go have sex with him now. And Ethan can take that. Oh, I just hope that I could. I just want to be in the room with them. I just want them to bring me yeah. along. Let's just see it. Let's I'm like just one of those husbands it. who wants to watch his wife have sex. With You're Jerry Falwell. <laughs> <laughs> You're Jerry, this is man. Where I do identify with Jerry Falwell. Um, and the point we were getting out this episode is that Carolina is Jerry Falwell. And I yes. was wronged by a dentist. And that's my core trauma. <laughs> he's a bad man. A normal thing for your child to say about the dentist. Okay, you agree he's bad, right? I want true romance. Hacks is back for season three. And so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men... How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to talk about Portia as portrayed by Haley Lou Richardson and Albie, who plays the, as a lot of people online think, incel son. Um, and, and let me say this right off the bat. I don't like Portia. Go on. So I have a resentment against Portia because, listen, I have traveled the world as an assistant. I'm not going to brag, but that is me bragging. And I want to say something. You always think a trip is going to be like this when you're going to, say, Italy. It doesn't end up like that. I gained 10 pounds in Italy by eating pasta in bed every single night. I would spend the whole Saturday in bed in Italy because I was tired from work. I did not get to have a love triangle. I know. Square or whatever they are having. So Albie's father, Michael Imperioli, in line for the hottest guy on the show. No, I don't. So it's so weird. I, I don't find him attractive, not as Christopher. It's only as Christopher that I find him attractive. I, I haven't been able to muster the same feelings for him. But anyway, go on. 
Albius's son is, you know, the way he's rebelling from his father is that he is like the good guy. He says he's the peacemaker in his family. Which yeah, red flag. I think is a foreshadowing for I think he's going to do a big mistake in Italy. Um, <laughs> I think a man saying he's peaceful and that um, a man saying gender is a construct is one of the most dangerous a straight man red, that, red yes. flags. I think um, so he takes Haley Richardson on the date, Portia, who seems very tepid about him, very reticent. And through a series of events that if you're listening, you've come to understand, he ends up with his father's hired escort, um, Lucia, again, probably the hottest person on the show. And if we're saying who's probably having the best time shooting, it is her as love. an actress. I love everything she and Mia do. Don't I want to show you... just about them? Like I want to spin oh, off yeah. Lucia oh, yeah. and Mia. I don't they give you the energy of college weekend. You woke up after a blackout. You lost your ID again and you're stranded for the next 24 hours trying to find it. Yes, they have that energy and, and it's the energy of like, all right, let's just do it again because we don't want to stop and think about what happened last night until the, the episode after the Molly and stuff like that's the first time Lucia is like, wait, like, am I? bad person or whatever and by the way she's not but then she like she immediately thinks, am i doomed which is yeah. i think one of the questions of the show too like are women who are sexually adventurous doomed i mean hpv would say so yeah that's the truth so but, Devin and i had um a disagreement which i found uh ex- I, I had a hard time with this Devin, and it's when i dm'd you a picture of oh yeah Leo Woodall as Jack, who plays the footballer. Jack, I mean, sorry, uh, Mike White is a huge fan of reality TV. And I do think Leo Woodall is from Mike White watching Love Island. Totally agree. He's, he's straight. He's straight out of Casa Amor. He is, to me, another character from the inside of my head that plays when I'm really horny in the middle of the day. And I DM this to Devin and she goes, yeah, he's not doing it for me. Listen, Devin's in a relationship. So I thought this was also a flex of like, yeah, well, I'm having sex and I don't need this guy in my life. And I thought, you know what? Some of us need to think about this person and you better join me. (laughs) And you better join me. No, it's funny because um, I think like when we when we both watched, we watched season one of White Lotus and I would go to Carolina's house every day was so fun on Sunday or every Sunday to watch. And we both were really attracted to Lucas Gage. So I think it's like that's what you're you're trying to recreate that if it if it's hysterical, it's historical. And I think you're trying to recreate that experience of us both being attracted to Lucas Gage. But unfortunately, no, I'm not attracted to the Love Island guy because here's the thing. I have a lot of trouble with like light hair, light like just like blonde. Like I have a lot of trouble with that. And I need a lot of like body hair. I think it's like he doesn't have body hair. But I, I don't care. This guy. He doesn't have the right kind of grit that I like. I know he has grit and he has a Cockney accent, but like he doesn't have the right kind. Uh, I feel like he wears Speedos. Like it's just not, it's not my um, cup. So I haven't really dated. I love a guy who can just be in charge and just oh, like, I do, do love how now. Okay. I love how he grabs her face. That is hot. The way he grabs her face. But also how he's hot. like, come on, we're doing this or come on. Like he just takes her around and, and this is the thing, too. And again, spoilers, spoilers. But at one point, Portia is making out with him at the bar and Albie watches and wants to leave. And Lucia is like, don't let her win. And she starts making out with Albie at the bar and they're kind of like competing with each other. As someone on Twitter pointed out, they're both making out with prostitutes. They do not know it. And Interesting. I didn't put those two, two together. So, so wait, so I know this is going to sound stupid, but is so is he not the guy's nephew? He's just a prostitute? Like, no, I don't think that's dumb, dumb at all. I think we're all in the same place as Jennifer Coolidge being like, what? But um, he's not having sex with his nephew. He's he's having sex with the prostitute. I'm pretty sure. So here is when a big theory comes in. And if you don't want to know what might happen, I don't know if this will happen. But I if you don't that, like theories, then get like off theories, the pod. Because this is a place for science, stipulation, and hypotheses. So, the rich, mysterious, 
gay man with the uh, I'm palazzo. trying to find his name. The palazzo with the palazzo the Palermo. He talks about how he's been in love once, and it was a straight man from the West, right. and who got older. So, Greg, Jennifer Coolidge's husband, had the idea to come to the White Lotus, and he left early. And that's she goes, but it was your idea to come here. Okay. He's on the phone with someone she hears. We think it's obviously a woman back home being like, yeah, she suspects nothing. And we think that Jennifer Coolidge is going to do the wrong thing and stay with him. But she's already talking about annulling him, like annulling the marriage in episode five. And the gays invite her on this trip and she goes off with them. Greg, when he was at the White Lotus, was very upset. Her assistant was there. He was like, what is she doing here? This is supposed to be our trip. So what has been posited off of fan theories on Reddit and Twitter is that. Oh, my God, I'm nervous. I'm nervous, too. I've been nervous ever since I found this out. Greg has been setting up Jennifer Coolidge to get murdered so that he can take her inheritance because the creepy character actor gay guy does say, like, would you die for beauty? (gasps) And we think that Greg might be the guy from the West that he's always been in love with. He's taking the money because the guy who owns the Palazzo actually isn't rich because people with palaces aren't rich and he needs money and he's in love with Greg and Greg's going to give him the money. Ah! And he hired his prostitute friend who doesn't have any money, can't even play for rice balls for Haley Lou Richardson to come distract the assistant. And that's why Greg didn't want her there because he didn't want like a witness. He didn't want anyone to know. Okay, okay, okay. Let me say something. When Taylor Swift said, When you love like that, blood runs cold. I know she was talking about Katy Perry, but right now my blood is cold from chills and I don't know that it will ever warm up again. I don't know if I'll ever be fully human again after hearing that because my blood is cold. I'm freaking out. I didn't even know what to do. I wait, where do you read these things, Carolina? Carolina always has like all the theories in her back pocket. And I'm like, where do people go for this? Like I watch. I have three friends. I have you, my neighbor, Tiari. My, I'm sorry. I don't want to call her my neighbor. I have you, my best friend from high school, Tiari, my mom, three dogs, and a sister. It's interesting to include family members. <laughs> I have three friends and most of them are my family. Most of my time is spent on Twitter.com reading. Okay, Twitter. Okay. And my friend Tiari came over and she was on Reddit. I was on Twitter. We were okay. literally going through this like the JFK assassination. Like, okay, so what are they saying about the episode one series arc with Greg. Okay, so that is actually really interesting because I've been wondering about the Greg thing. It did all happen so fast. And I I kind of thought like, I was like, do they just like not know what to do with this Jennifer Coolidge character anymore? Because she was such a fan favorite. Like they had to include her. But then it's like, why is she going to the opera? Like, it's just who cares at this point. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, this is like a stupid storyline unless it ends up in something crazy dramatic. And I think you're positing that it could. It quite could. Like, I just, I don't even know what to do because, listen, I have faith that Jennifer Coolidge can't get hurt. Like, if she gets hurt, that could really impact 2023 for me. I can't go into 2023 with her being hurt. I will say, though, like, she clearly was brought over to be in this season two. And it's like, okay, she is the most likely to be gotten rid of for the next I can't. Season. I can't. I can't. Before we move on to more theories, I will say it's kind of interesting rewatching it because when I watched it the first time this this season, I was like, oh my God, like Portia is like into Albie. It's cute. They have like a little romance. Rewatching it, you can tell that she's not into him from the beginning. And he's kind of like, do you want to go to the pool? Do you want to do this? And she's kind of like, okay, sure. Like, okay. And then Portia mentions to Tanya, like, do you think I could? I know we're like, I'm on the clock, but do you think I could go hang out with that guy, Albie, today? Because I really feel like I always fuck everything up. If I got a lottery ticket, I would lose it. And I just want to do the right thing. And he seemed so basically she's being like, he seems like a nice guy. It's probably the right thing to do to hang out with someone like that. But that's not what she really wants. She really wants a Love Island Casa more prostitute. And who could blame her? But it also is interesting rewatching it. I'm like, oh, I thought Albie was like so nice and sweet. And like, it's like, why did she? I was I was with the Twitter folk who were like, I can't believe she's fucking him over. He's so nice. But I'm kind of like, ew, you kind of suck. Like, you think you know better than everyone. You're talking to your parents and grandparents about how they don't know anything about anything. And 
I think he's deeply damaged. He has a savior complex. And he has that a savior complex. is why I think he's in trouble. And and this is a tweet that someone said. That was not Jack's uncle. They said Cameron is not the father of Daphne's children. And they said Alessio is not Lucia's pimp. And so what I think is happening is that Lucia, who's so smart, has found out. She says to me, like, he's a really sweet guy. She knows that this guy is going to protect her. What she thinks that is going to be is money. All of a sudden, you see the sex scene change in a really interesting way where, sorry to be graphic, Lucia is, like, on top with um, Albie. And, like, at first she's blowing him. Then she's on top. And it's, like, obvious that he is, like, not the strong one. The next, the last scene, after he's sort of seen her as pimp, he is, like, on top and, like, being very, like, intense. And you're, like, you could kill her pimp thinking you're saving her. Yes. He has the power back. So I really think that we're going to do another episode once the series is complete and my life gets 58% less erotic, um, maybe 100%. And I cannot wait to see what happens. You know, I hope the prostitutes aren't doomed. I hope that Jennifer Coolidge lives. I hope that anyone, Greg included, because Greg is supposed to come back, looks to camera, who wishes harm upon my friends, as Sandra Bullock says in Miss Congeniality, I would take them out. I would hunt them down. <laughs> um, and I hope that we can, I listen, I have to say it, I hope that Harper and Ethan make it, but I hope we get to see Harper and Cameron have sex. Those are my wishes. I know we don't get what we want in this life all the time, but that's, I think that God could give me that. Okay, and also I think that God could let us see who Michael Imperioli's character's wife is. Laura Dern, babe. I know. When is she coming, though? I know. I know. She needs to come. Okay. This is to be continued. If anything has ever been to be continued, this is. It's not okay. like Mindhunter season two. We're coming back. We're coming back. And can you please send me the rest of the theories? I need to start learning. I need to become more academic with these things. <laughs> Until then, I love you, Devin. Love you, Carol. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.